You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The Pride to Detroit POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, and it's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park, and each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions and the POD cast, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. For our listeners, we have a special offer for you. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout. Get you 15% off your order. That's POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. Hey, we say it every time. You know where to find us live right now on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit on YouTube. Search for Pride of Detroit. Wherever you see Pride of Detroit is probably us, unless it's not, and then thus they're imposters. You let us know so we can go and kill those people. Just straight or remove them from the no, don't look, don't look so uncomfortable. This is what we do now. You're threatening violence on the podcasts. I am threatening violence on everyone. The Lions are seven and two, and I'm throwing up double middle fingers to the world right now. Uh, we are here to break down a Lions victory over the Los Angeles Chargers in one hell of a shootout and probably the ballsiest move I will probably see all year from an NFL coach, if not any football coach. But first, I'm Chris Perfett, the adequate host who threatens violence at Chris Perfett on Twitter, where I will probably get uh, destroyed for doing so. But anyway, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless and tired leader at Detroit Online, just in from Los Angeles. And boy, are his arms tired. Right. I'm just in. I didn't fly. I'm, I'm, my arms being tired is unrelated to me being in, in Michigan again. But yes. Ryan Matthews Black is the mother rock guy. at Ryan underscore POD senior editor. Hello, Ryan. Hi, Chris. Jeremy, how dare you complain about being tired? How self-righteous of you. Yeah, you know, I didn't, I didn't even say anything yet. I know <laughs> we have to get ahead of it because we got way too much line stuff to talk about. We don't have time to listen to you complain about it. We just have to go right to it. it it's It's a good primer though for people because i'm going to be off my game you're so, going to be at you're going to be adequate today I'm, I'm creating excuses for myself ahead of time in case i say something stupid essentially you're going to be adequate it's fine we're all adequate this, 
This is like the most mellow intro for what may have been the best game in the NFL through 10 weeks. <laughs> I, so. I do Ryan want, I, bringing I do. us back. I love it. Full disclosure, Jeremy and I were in the press box at SoFi Field. Was it Field or Stadium? I always forget that. Either way, SoFi. Um, first off, incredibly easy to get lost in SoFi. I wandered around after the game for about 20 minutes saying, where the F is the exit? But, uh, you know, you're in the press box. You can't exactly cheer or talk about it. I do want to full disclose and maybe throwing Jeremy under the bus here uh, before they went for it on fourth and two. He punched me in the arm. After they went. Yeah. After they yeah. made it, I punched. A- Listen, a- after you after. So it was after. OK. And then I punched yeah. you back several times while they were while they were like setting up for the field goal. Yeah. Well, OK. <laughs> you were you were getting the Eric Schlitt treatment. I would yeah. have done the exact same to him. And you're you were sitting into my right word, which is Eric where Eric sits. So when big things happen, because I can't yell <laughs> because I can't really fist pump the, the, the thing I can do the, the, the most and get away with is like a little, like I'm not complaining yeah, about it. On. I'm not complaining about it. I just want to let you, let people okay. know what the you have press box energy arm. was yeah, that yeah, we yeah. were dealing with here because Ryan, I know we're, we'll do major takeaways and we'll let everyone get their rants in, but I don't know any other coach in the NFL Faced with a fourth and two, even knowing that Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert had been slicing and dicing your defense to the tune of five straight drives, five straight touchdowns, if they would have decided to go for it on fourth and two so they can kneel out the clock, 31 other coaches say, I'm going to kick the field goal and for 90 seconds, I will trust my defense. I feel I feel justified in saying that is unique ballsy s from dan campbell that has really given him an acumen in these kind of late games especially in the in the form of context not recklessness context to see that your defense hasn't been holding justin herbert and keenan allen and say let's just end it right here and now yeah i you know what i I think one of my big takeaways from the game is man i love to see the growth in dan campbell in terms of recognizing the moment situation and saying our best defense is jared goff and the rest of the the rest of the passing attack and even the running uh the running attack for that matter too but i i think i mean kudos to dan campbell man just like in that moment it felt like as soon as as soon as he was short and fourth down was was on it felt like there wasn't a choice like you had to do it and it felt like the exact wrong move if he were to choose something different um and i think again like you see growth from dan campbell even from his first season right i mean you, you think about even the minnesota game right where he chooses to to kick the long field goal and give minnesota a short field and they can score a touchdown it, it felt like the decision was made immediately by Dan Campbell. It's like, no, like for, we know we're going to go for it here because Jeremy, they've been doing it all game long. Why, <laughs> why change course? Right. That's the fifth time. I think the, the entire game, they did it. And it's interesting too, because I think in the exact moment, I was a little confused, but I think that th- that was more just due to conventionality because you're, there's a minute 30 left and you're in field goal position. Of course you kick the field goal. You you take the lead. Um, but yeah, it's stepping back even just for a second to think about it. All of the factors of the game was like, yeah, of course you go for it. Your offense is just absolutely obliterating the chargers. You have a kicker who you don't know if you can trust from 44 yards. Yep. Didn't trust him from 55 a, earlier in the game punted instead. Right. right. 
Um, and and you have a defense that you know you can't trust right now. Um, and so not, I mean, to, to answer Chris's original question, how many coaches do that? It should be 32. If they were in that exact same situation with the defense that they had, with the offense that they have, with the kicker that they have, it should be 32 out of 32. But it certainly wouldn't be. And, and interestingly enough, the analytics don't support Dan Campbell's decision. But again, this is why analytics are just a tool, not a blind follow, because those analytics don't account for Riley Patterson's accuracy. They're they're just general, like, here's what kickers make from 44. Here's what defense, you know, a win percent or the, the likelihood of converting a fourth and two with an average offense going against an average defense. And this is what it means if you don't convert. This is the likelihood that they go back and score. And like you have to take that knowledge and be like, OK, this is what it's like in an average situation. But we're not dealing with an average situation. We have a below average kicker from long distance. We have a below average defense right now. And we have an offense that is absolutely unstoppable. And that's what I'm I'm excited to talk about all that. But to me. I, I get that there is some growth because, yeah, th- this is semi comparable to to the Vikings game. But my takeaway in terms of Dan's decision is that people are finally coming around to a lot of the decisions that he's been making really his entire time. This is the first time that it like directly led to a, a win. And I think that's I think people are starting to wake up that like, OK, this th- he's not just making like incremental decisions that increase win percentage by one percent or two point two percent. This was a game deciding decision that that very well could have been like literally the difference between a win and loss. Yeah. And like, look, a lot of that comes with that. He was successful on that. And I know that if he hadn't been and if the Chargers had marched down the field from there and scored, then it would be all over and we'd be eating the egg on the face. But I still think regardless, it was probably the right decision, because, again, we have to talk about the defense later in the show. It's it's something I think that has really charged up a lot of fans in regards to it. But ultimately, Lions played the game the Chargers wanted to play in a shootout, and you still were able to pull ahead. And uh, it, it feels it feels odd to to have the nitpicks where once again the Lions are leading wire to wire in this game, Ryan. Like they still never gave up a lead <laughs> and the defense even I think had to do what eight downs on the goal line and the eighth time they finally gave it up. So I, I, I thought the game they played had some holes in it, but ultimately this was a really important game to where your offense had to really step up and it stepped up in multiple ways between this, this is a, this, this was a really good chargers defense and they didn't touch Jared Goff at all. They didn't touch Jared Goff at all. Like Nick Bosa, Khalil Mack didn't get to Jared Goff at all. And I, that that needs to really sink in before we then start talking about, hey, here's a play where Panay Sewell has suddenly bulldozed someone 10 yards up the field. Here's here's a great big old caravan for David Montgomery and, and Jameer Gibbs to do the damage that they do. Like this offense bullied a very good defense and ultimately it's still the identity of this team is to be the offense that carries these wins and it's good that they carried this win because it, it is going to get tight at some point in the nfc north if the vikings keep on their streak this was a very important win for them to have today uh, on sunday I, I don't know if that was said to intentionally uh, perk up Jeremy, but um, I think we can we can shelve Vikings talk for a little bit. But uh, to your point, Chris, here's the thing. 
Um, I don't think the Chargers are very good on defense, especially their run game, uh, especially defending the run. And uh, that quite literally happened to the tune of 31 carries for 200 yards at 6.5 a pop. Um, and that's including Jared Goff's kneel down. So I, I think the thing, the one thing I thought I knew that I ended up did knowing Jeremy was that this game was going to be a shootout. And I think the, the point of concern for me is the the passing defense against elite quarterbacks right like and and it was on it was on full display and you know it i mean justin herbert yeah to his credit he was throwing some absolute ropes man he was putting stuff in in really tight windows the lions did not have an answer whatsoever for keenan allen the only thing that could sideline him was being sidelined with an injury and even then right like keenan allen leaves the field and what is the chargers offense that doesn't skip a beat, right? I mean, it's it's driving down the field and yep. scoring more touchdowns. Johnston, so, Johnston, and Boy and Guyton just step right up and keep doing the same thing. Yeah, so you know there there is concern about the pass defense against um, elite talent, but I I also don't want that to be overblown, right? Because I'm newsflash at seven, right? The uh, the good quarterbacks in the league do good things. It doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter what kind of passing defense you throw out there. I mean, unless you're literally, I mean, look at even the Cleveland Browns, right? Like everybody wants to tout the Cleveland Browns as an incredible defense. I mean, they still gave up a 30 burger to the, to the Ravens, right? Like, I mean, like it, it just happens. Right. But it's, it's your team's ability to weather that storm. And, you know, I really do feel like, and it's fine. Because this isn't this is a league, even though scoring's down, right? Even though scoring's the lowest the lowest it's been in like 15 years. Um, this is still an offensive league, right? So I mean, yeah. I, I I like the fact that the Lions are a top five offense by just about every metric and measure. I feel more comfortable about that fact, Jeremy, going into this final stretch of, of football we have here. Yeah. than being like overly concerned about the defense. Right. I mean, if, if even if you like, because I think the, the main concern is like, obviously the Lions rest of the schedule, not that hard, not a lot of elite offenses or elite quarterbacks. So, but once you get to the playoffs, defense wins. Cha- no, that's still, that's not true anymore. Like when you think of the iconic football games in the modern era, you think of, you know, the, the 32nd Bengals Bills game, right? You think of things like that. And that's kind of what we just got. We just got a game where the last team to hold on to the ball won the football game. And I think the Lions checked off a, a box that, I, that maybe we didn't know about Jared Goff. Maybe we didn't know about this offense. Can they go toe to toe with with an elite quarterback? Can they score at the end of a game? Can they lead a game winning drive? We haven't seen a ton of that from this team because this is a, during this winning streak. They've been blown off the doors of a lot of teams. Every every game but the, the Chiefs game this year, every win was a two-score game. This is one where it was tight and they needed to to perform when, when things were tight at the end of the game. They needed a, a field goal to be kicked to win the game, which is another box that needed to be checked for this team. So I understand the frustration of the defense and I certainly share it. But at the same time, you can still win football games against very good teams with the offense playing the way it is currently. And and I think maybe one of the most interesting things that, that happened throughout that game was that the narrative changed drastically. Because if, if you remember the first quarter and a half, the frustration was all on the offensive side of the ball. The Lions the failure the Lions on the red zone the, still. Yeah. yeah. The Lions held the Chiefs to three points through four drives. 
and you're like, the offense is kicking. They're like, we are dominating every phase of the game and it's 10 to three. It's 17 to three. It should be 24 to three. It should be 31 to 10, you know, and 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 then suddenly it's like, okay, well, then the offense started to pick things up and then the defense obviously slid way back and it's like, oh, no, this is the problem. Uh, the defense. And and I, I do think some of the red zone stuff was always a bit overblown and I'm not that concerned about it. Um, but yeah, the, the, the defense is an issue. But Dan Campbell said it today. The reason a, a, a big reason they won that game was the way the defense started that game. They got out to a good, comfortable lead. They were leading essentially the entire game except when he got tied late. And so, and the reason for that was Lions defense actually played pretty darn well in the first, you know, quarter and a half. Yeah. And, and the, I don't, I, I think it's important that we don't lose complete sight of that, even though it ended with five straight touchdown drives, which to is Jeremy, to Jeremy's point four straight, the first four drives for the chargers only resulted in three points for them. Two, three and outs and an interception in that. Yep. And really like the lion's, there was the Taylor Decker penalty, which I know people have had their quibbles with that really denied them having a touchdown on that first drive that ended in a field goal, too. We could be talking about something a little bit different there on top of everything. It, it, you, you were never going to keep this Chargers offense bottled. I will say it to go back to something Jeremy usually started the season with and has been touting a lot to use the word that I know he loves. The Lions played a game where they had to get a little uncomfortable. They didn't they had to play close. They had to play in a in a in a uh, tight sprint. It's no surprise if you know the history of SoFi Stadium, it used to be a racetrack. And they were in a they were in a horse race here against another team with a really good offense. And it was last, you know, last first over the first over the finish line. They had to do that. They had to play on some fourth down decisions where they knew they really couldn't give the ball back. They had to trust Riley Patterson late in the game when they decided early on, even indoors, we don't really trust him with a 55 yard field goal. They had to do some stuff that made them uncomfortable. And you want to talk about ticking stuff off the box. There you go. The only thing we really haven't seen the Lions do yet is really come from come from behind yet. But it's, you know, as long as they keep controlling these games. Just you're in good standing. Yeah, you are in good standing, Um, man. What a bummer, though. Like, as far as JMO goes, like, can that guy have any more big plays taken (laughs) off the board? (laughs) Right. Does he have three touchdowns? He has at least two touchdowns taken off the board, right? Yeah. Maybe uh, the the flea, the flea flicker in Green Bay, right? I don't, but I man, don't what a what a run block he threw! Oh, okay. <laughs> what a run block he threw for for David Montgomery, though. Yeah, I love it. It's 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 <laughs> almost kind of like memeing itself out, though, where it's like, yeah, right. the Lions' twelfth overall pick that's supposed to be an explosive wide receiver keeps on making run blocking plays. Right. But it's like it, it, we call that the Bijan Robinson. He's making plays away from the ball. Oh, okay. I love that. <laughs> I love that JMO is <laughs> its plays are being named after another player. <laughs> um, They're both picked around the six picks. So there yeah, you go. yeah. Can I? Um, I, I want to I want to talk about my favorite play from yesterday. Can I talk okay. about my favorite play from yesterday? Sure, sure, sure. Okay. This is a play that really got me buzzing. And it felt like the moment where I knew that the Lions offense was here and it was ready to it was ready to go the distance. And it happened early. It happened on the Lions. Um it happened on their third drive. Uh the one actually where they turned it over on downs on the goal line. Um 
But that fourth and five out of shotgun to oh give the God. ball to David Montgomery, um, <laughs> it was. I think it was his third carry of the game. The guy had missed a month of football, right? And this offense and Ben Johnson said, "Yeah, no, he's our guy. Like he's our guy. Here, go get that first down. Go, go run ten yards to get that first down." I, Philosophically, I hated it, but. Oh, hate it but it's a it's a jeremy right like it's a mentality call right mm -hmm. yeah it's a tone setter it's a message setter it's it's i mean that might be might have been a more ballsy call than going for it it was the draw play right yeah 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 no that was i think i called that that they were just the lions were bullying the chargers by running that play that was that was absolutely yeah and and i mean if it couldn't have been a I don't, I don't know if it could have been a, a bigger microcosm for the game, right? Is it, We're already starting to see some of the all-22 clips of, of Lions offensive linemen riding defensive tackles 10, we 15 saw it yards you, down you the asked, field. You asked me at the stadium, why is Panay Sewell jogging <laughs> yeah. back to the play? It looked like he had been out on like a wide receiver That's route. right. Yeah, he was 20 yards downfield more than anyone else. And and that, that was just what the day was. And we'll get to some individual performances, but like, we we could spend an entire segment on the offense. Well, let me. Line. Can I just do one of my other favorite plays from this game, just as a quick sure. finisher? Yeah. And it might be the other one that I know people ask the most at um, after the game. And it was uh, the seventy-five yard run by David Montgomery. You want to talk about being uncomfortable, um, Jeremy? What what did what did Amon Ross St. Brown and, and Jared Goff tell us all that it was? They they, they came out of the huddle with in. Wrong the personnel. wrong play call for, for the wrong personnel. Yeah, they, they they were supposed to be in 12 personnel, which means one running back and two tight ends. They were in 11 personnel, which means one running back, one tight end. So Amon Ra was on the field when he shouldn't have been on the field. And we didn't really get clarification on why that was, whether it was a coaching thing or Amon Ra thing or whatever. But they they could not run the play that they had called with the personnel out there. And and thankfully, it was noticed pretty quickly by everyone. And, and Ben Johnson got on the headset and said, Jared, go to this play. Go to the go to a run play. Yeah. And, Jared Goff checked out of the play. Check the play. And, yeah. And yeah. And just on the fly, they call this play that they, they get set up. They everyone gets in the right mentality. Everyone gets on the right page. And this is all happening while they're at the line already. So, you know, they're probably with, you know, 15 seconds or so on the play clock. You get all that set up and you run a play to, to perfection. It, it's crazy. I don't. I, I I've always been a little skeptical sometimes on Jared Goff, but I don't know what else he's got to show me at this point. Like this I, is really fantastic running of the offense. And it just every week there's something new that really reaffirms that that entire that entire just that that entire sentence. Jared Goff runs the Lions offense. I think I think the most telling play and he had a lot of really good plays like he had that laser in between three defenders uh, obviously, the, the the pass to uh, Brock Wright was perfect, Ooh, but yeah, honestly, the, the fourth the fourth down conversion, I think, shows the growth of Jared Goff more than anything else because he had to go through a a long progression there. He didn't panic, and I think part of it is he's he's built in trust with an offensive line that he clearly can trust. But like he he you know he looks at the tight end. He he looks I, I, the first read I think is to Gibbs on the out. He he's not open. Then he goes to the tight end then he goes somewhere else and he has to go back to the tight end all that time like no happy feet he's just standing there calmly in the pocket going through all those progressions and then in the past we've just seen a little bit more of a panicky Jared Goff and that sort of poise that sort of comfortability that sort of level of comfort in the scheme that he helped develop 
shows just how much of a quarterback he's he's grown. And and I that's what I keep trying to tell some people that are still doubters of Jared Goff is you need to kind of dispel with your notion of who he was in Los Angeles because they had him on a leash there. The Lions enabled Jared Goff to become a better student of the game, to become a better uh, reader of defenses. All no, that to be his own independent be, quarterback rather right. than he's, just he's, a, a figure piece for, for the coach or the play caller. Right. He's just such more of a cerebral player. And I think that's what was missing from his game because he's always had the physical tools. And so now, like now he, do, he he's a top 10 quarterback, period. Exclamation point. I have another theory for Jared Goff's growth. That's beef jerky. <laughs> I think coming to Detroit, Ryan, he stocked up on that beautiful, wholesome, protein-packed, righteous felon craft jerky. Well, I mean, only he could do that once he got to Detroit because it's the same jerky that fuels the Detroit Lions at Allen Park, right, Chris? Yep. It's at the training facilities at Allen Park, and it is also the official Beef jerky of the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Each two ounce bag of pr- jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein. Each stick has eight grams. That's a lot of protein, Ryan. That's just enough for Jared Goff to get it. Cause you know, he was out in California, you know, went to Cal. He's getting like what sunflower seeds out there. Granola. Yeah, some kind of like soy substitute. Mm. But you know what? He comes close to Detroit. He gets the the Black Angus beef from locally sourced all natural spots in Westchester, Pennsylvania. What was it, Jeremy? You wanted to be part of this read too. Did I? I don't no, know. I was, I was just <laughs> thinking about what so- soy jerky would look like, and that disgusted terrible. me. Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. That's why we have all natural Black Angus beef in this jerky with superior quality, revolutionary branding and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it'll be good enough for you too. let's make it even more gooder for you. Righteousfelon.com. Order online. Very easy. But check this. When you go to checkout, use code POD15 and it'll get you 15% off your order. Go fill up on the Korean barbecue flavor jerky, the turkey jerky, if it's there. The barbecue, the uh, sweet heat barbecue flavor that's there, uh, baby blues, habanero, biltong. You like the little dry stuff from South Africa? They got that too, and like garlic flavor and and stuff. It's fantastic. POD I mean, 15. Oh. All, all, I just want to say all that variety, Chris, right? Like it is the holiday season. I mean, be that person turn into that person who buys the variety pack over at righteous felon. And those are stocking stuffers, baby. Be the the person who gives out beef jerky, the gift of meat code POD 15 at righteous felon.com. When we come back on the pride of Detroit POD cast, individual performances, breakdowns, and we'll dive a little bit deeper into uh, the defense because I think there's uh, there's some worry from fans and there, but there is probably a couple things they can clean up this season right now. We'll talk about that next. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is 
you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Right, Detroit POD cast. Uh, we're back at it, still talking about this Chargers Lions game. And I think we should get into some individual uh performances here in a little bit. Did we want to dive a little bit deeper on the defense and talk about kind of the, some of the shortcomings and the penalties, or would you rather Jeremy just go straight into like no, no individual we, I mean, talk? Let's not let's not avoid the elephant in the room. Let's talk okay. some defense. Let's talk about our maybe concern levels, all that sort of stuff. I think I think that's a great way way to put it though. If you want to put it on like a scale of one to ten. As far as concern for the defense, would you like to do that for yourself, Jeremy? Sure. Yeah, I'm probably at like a seven, seven and a half. You know, it, I, I think I think we all looked at this game as a big test. And you're wondering if if maybe they'd figured something out in the bye week. Maybe, you know, they, they had obviously a couple of weeks to to plan for this. Although I think I think that narrative is always a little bit overblown because the coaches are also leaving and, and enjoying a few days of their life. It's not like they're in the building every day of the bye week but either way i think a lot of people went into this game looking for some sort of sense of relief when it came to the defense particularly the pass defense against a good quarterback and you certainly didn't leave with it and i think a lot of the concerns anxieties that you might have about this team their lack of a consistent pass rush their ability to maybe get picked apart in terms of a a young secondary that that might not have a, a number one guy all those things got exacerbated in this game. Um, Aiden Hutchinson is is the only guy in the defensive line who even registered a quarterback hit in this game. Um, you know, Jerry Jacobs had an up and down day. I would say this maybe was Cameron Sutton's worst game of the season. And the, the I think the frustrating part about it all is while this is a very good passing offense they win against, it wasn't a loaded offense in terms of weapons. Um they, you know, this this was a team that was missing their number two and number three receivers and, and will continue to miss those guys. And listen, if you have a good enough scheme, if you have a good enough offensive line, you have a good enough quarterback, you can overcome some deficiencies in your receiving core. And 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 I think the Chargers might be good enough to do that. But it was certainly disappointing to see what happened happen. And yeah, like there's there's reason to have a major concern going forward that when this team is going to be in the playoffs. 
how can you be confident that the lines are going to be any better? And, and the, the unfortunate part is I don't know if they have the opportunity to win our trust back in the regular season with just how poor their schedule is, because, you know, if they do, if, if they bounce back and have a Raiders type of performance against Justin Fields and Jordan Love and and even Joshua Dobbs to to an extent, I think those sort of performances are going to get e- easily overlooked or easily excused because it's a bad quarterback you're going against. And so. I don't know, man. It, it, it's it's disappointing, but as we kind of went through in the first segment, if you have a good enough offense, you're still going to be in games, whether you're going against a, uh, you know, a, a contender or not. But um, yeah, that's where I'm at. I don't know. Brian, where, where are you at? Yeah. Oh, for me? Uh, yeah. I'm about, I, I think I'm about at a six. I'll tell you what, I think there was some, and you know, I'm not Mr. Let's talk about the referees, but some of the penalties did feel like backbreakers, especially the Cameron Sutton penalty that basically made it an eighth and eighth and goal from the one yard line that really like stimmied like the, the Lions only needed one real break. And a lot of times they ended up shooting themselves in the foot with some of the calls that were going against them here. I also think that in the grand scheme of things, sometimes this is kind of what happens when you get into a shootout. And I've been really wary of taking this game to game just quite yet. On the other hand, there is a considerable lack of penetration that is happening that lions aren't really getting close to the quarterback at all. And again, part of that is Justin Fields is very hard to take down, but I yeah, excuse me. Justin <laughs> Herbert um, is just getting very is just difficult to take down sometimes. But yeah, it's like you you would like to see a sack in a key position so we can like move along with it. And I feel like the Lions have invested a lot in their pass passing pass rush to to make that a reality. But we just didn't really see that in the game. And more than that, just the amount of just poor performance from the linebackers on top of it, excluding Anzalone, but even Anzalone, I think missed a tackle in this game as well, like is starting to show there are a couple weak points here that probably need to get buffed up here. And you've got at least some better teams to buff up against, but it will come back and be an issue down the road. Yeah. You know, I, I can't say that this game was like even worse fear, worse fears confirmed because I I had this inkling, right? Like, I feel like there was enough, there were enough data points to suggest that the Lions defense wasn't exceptional, um, that they were, you know, playing a, a, a above their weight class. It a does feel bit. like a regress to the mean that they started really hot and it feels like this is coming back down to earth. Yeah. And I mean, that that's all that's all said for a team that, you know, did I mean, for forced a turnover. Right. I mean, the the interception by Kirby Joseph was was an incredible play. Um, and I, I'm not going to get into penalty talk, really. But I mean, come on, a little bit of a ticky tack call on Cam Sutton there on the goal line um, for that for that pass interference call. So I, I think, you know, uh, while I mean, there was bad, there was a lot of bad and and, and you can't wipe all that away. Um, so I guess, I mean, I think that my concern level would be at about a five and a half or a six, but I, I think it's so low just because, um, in the moment it felt like getting hit by a Mack truck. Right. Cause it's like, right. if this defense can just force a stop like yeah. this lion team, because here's the thing, it changed the approach to the offense. Yeah. 
Like the offense all of a sudden was like, no, like we're going to score and we're going to keep scoring because we know that no matter how much scoring we do, we probably need more. Because right. uh, as Jeremy said, and I, I, I tweeted it like, I think it was right at the beginning of the third quarter. I was like, oh, this, this is going to be one of those games where it's John Madden analysis, but it's like the team that has the ball ass is probably going to win the football game. Right. Um, and, and I think just the Lions approach changed. Like if they could have, I don't know, maybe stopped at any point in that, you know, five straight drives of five straight touchdowns from the chargers, they could have stopped them once. Maybe maybe twice. I feel like that's not a huge ask for a defense, but like they make that they make that stop, Jeremy. And then all of a sudden, maybe they just go into ground and pound mode where it's going to be a not it's going to be a nine minute drive of David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. And there's not going to be a damn thing that you can do about it. And you know what? Too bad you couldn't score because that was your only shot, which is how I felt at the end of the game with the Lions. Right. Where it's like a field goal is not enough. Right. Like that's why you have to be aggressive on that fourth down call because you need seven because there was part of me that thought before the the drive where the chargers um, where they scored, I was like, does Staley have the nuts to go for two here? Right. Because like, like, are you confident that you're going to get another shot at the ball? That's, that's a good point. The the one thing I think, to, to maybe pull this to a little bit more of an optimistic viewpoint on the defense is, is the one thing that we also need to consider and, and, and highlight still is that the run defense is still very good. Still very good. And, still and, very good. And that means something because teams don't love to throw the ball 50 times a game. Even if they have a good quarterback like just, like Justin Herbert, they they still ran the ball a considerable amount in that game. And what that does, to me, it, it, it almost felt like a wasted down every time they did it because they'd get three yards max. They didn't have a lot of runs that went for more than four yards. And when that happens, you are going to have opportunities to get off the field. The the Chargers had 14 third downs in that game. They had opportunities to get off the field. Unfortunately, the Chargers converted on, on seven of them and then converted on a subsequent, all three subsequent fourth downs that they attempted. Yeah. I think if you can consistently get yourself in opportunities to get off the field, if you can consistently get into third downs and because they have a good run defense, they will be able to at some point, either you're going to get a stop or they're going to make a mistake. And so I think these stretches of five straight touchdown drives where every single one was 65 yards or more, those are going to be few and far between. That was a, a, a string of bad luck, but I just think, we got to remember that they have a, a good half of their defense, and that's that's not something to forget completely. I know I was talking with um, our first by guest, Kyle D. I'm still not comfortable trying to say his entire name yet. I'm working on it. Um, and like he, he did say one of the things the Chargers do lack is a receiver to really take the top off. So it really has to be these kind of short situations it just it just feels like in this particular game there was nothing that could be done about Keenan Allen but they also if you were stopping the run and they didn't have a deep threat on it that was the game they had to play and just in this particular case they just matched up very well to just beat you to like beat the defense over and over at that game but again I felt like the Lions adapt and I don't know how much of this is portable to the next to the next offering what what it isn't is I'm I'm just I'm just not there with a lot of Lions fans that are still demanding that this all falls upon Aaron Glenn and if it does fall upon Aaron Glenn like there's nothing you can really do this year that would make it better either I think 
Right. Like it's just, it seems, it seems like some wish thinking or that there needs to be a knee jerk reaction change and just let's leave Aaron one in LA. Yeah. I no. let's, let's not be silly. Um, the, yeah. Really, really quick. Just the, the, the thing that I find kind of interesting about the whole situation was, was Dan Campbell's reaction to it today when, when asked like what went wrong and he said it was a bunch of communication issues, which that to me is frustrating. That that almost feels mm-hmm. like a little bit of a coaching thing that we're still talking about communication issues. And and then he also mentioned both last night and today, like the the whole no huddle stuff that the Chargers went into pretty much once they started to get things going. And and to me, if like pre-snap motion and no huddle is enough to throw your defense off your game that's today's NFL. Like that's, yeah, that's, that's a modern what, NFL. That's, that's how teams win today. That can't be something that, that suddenly breaks down everything you're doing on defense. You yeah, need to be I mean, better prepared than that. To, to, to that point. Like I know I was listening to Lomas Brown on the broadcast and he was kind of venting a bit and saying like, they're not doing anything extraordinary out there. That's what he said on game day. And right. like, again, Lomas is assuming it on the, on the basis that this is, the modern NFL that that's yep. just stuff you do then. Yeah. There was nothing exotic from the chargers and there was no specialized package for, for Justin Herbert to roll out or for some weird end around stuff with Keenan Allen. It was just, it was a defense that just made their reads. You know, the yeah. quarterback that stood back there made the reads, ran the routes, executed. I think we should talk about some other uh, issues and maybe some individual performances. Um, I feel like the red zone issues are a little bit over or a little bit overblown, Jeremy. Um, and they went away pretty quickly after the start, uh, after about the first half or so. Um, what didn't go away was Jameer Gibbs. Yeah. And we talked about this in the POD direct that the Lions feel like every week now with Jameer Gibbs, they're unlocking something new. And in this case, and I know I talked to you about it and I'm, we were talking about it during the game, just the idea that they, they trust Jameer Gibbs enough to leave him in a red zone down, a goal line down where they had been getting stopped several times and just kept feeding it to Jameer Gibbs because they wanted to see how he could get the ball into the end zone. And the, he did get it in. Yeah, no, I, I and and I think it was Zack Snyder on, on Twitter who who put it really nicely. The Lions upgrading from Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift wasn't just about getting two more talented players. Mm-hmm. It was about getting two players whose talents overlap more. It's it's about getting two players that can do everything. And so that if you put them both on the field, which we, I don't believe we saw one time on Sunday, unfortunately, um, it's not a tell. Or if Mr. X goes down with an injury. Yeah, yeah whatever. Um, but yeah, if a guy goes down with injury, like, David Montgomery did. You can put Jameer Gibbs in the game and he can do everything that David Montgomery does and vice versa. Because what's the one thing that you thought Jameer Gibbs that had that maybe David Montgomery didn't have? Explosiveness. Big playability as well. Guess what? David Montgomery can do that too. And so now five yards. there's so much overlap between those two and, and so much talent between those two that whether they're both on the field or not, you don't know what's coming. Yeah. To that point, too, I mean, how many times, uh, you know, the past two seasons have we seen or or did we see, you know, oh, Jamal Williams on the field on first down? I wonder what's coming. Like there was a little bit of predictability to the Lions offense based on the personnel that was out there. And, oh, Swift isn't on third down. I mean, we kind of know what's happening at that point. Right. And it it is. I mean, 
master master disguise, man. Like I, I think that's what's going to make the Lions so dangerous offensively all the way through like January, right? Is that they're going to have an offense that can beat you in so many different ways. And maybe this takes us to our next point, Chris, but like maybe that's just what everybody is so hopeful for JMO, right? And you get that little glimpse of it and then it's taken away by penalty. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, man, like if those plays can happen though, right? Like if, if those plays can happen with, with JMO out in the field, like it, it's like who, who can keep up with Detroit? I think that's yeah. the question is, is who can keep up? Other than, I mean, we've seen the Ravens do it, right? And and we, we've seen the Seahawks keep up too. Um, it's just like, man, like, can they, can those offenses sustain themselves into the playoffs and through the playoffs? Like, well, how, right. how much of it is dependent upon player X, Y, or Z, where it's like, the Lions have a lot of guys without having a lot of guys. You know what I mean? Well, you want to talk about having uh, redundant parts and being able to keep doing things uh with with multiple people like it's not even like they're in a position where it really needs Williams to come on online because Amon Ross St. Brown posts a career high uh receiving yards on on Sunday with a long of 46 on top of it like we we don't bring up St. Brown a lot in these post games because like what else are we supposed to talk about that we haven't already praised St. Brown on at this point but like they have plenty of options like Khalif Raymond, I think, got in there. and had a what was it? A 41 yarder as well. Yeah, the, the, set, the, set up the game winning score, set up the game winning score. Like there there are plenty of ways this Lions offense is just really built to beat you and adding Laporta to that mix, too. And even still getting out to Brock Wright on the change of down. Like, I don't right. think it versus was there, last was there a year single versus last that, that didn't have a big play in this game. Mm, Josh Reynolds, Josh. Yeah, but. Again, I think to Ryan's point versus last year, where depending on the personnel on the field, you kind of knew what was coming. Now for the Lions, there's that level of just completeness and redundancy and that gives a little bit of unpredictability on what they can what they can really show you. Although, honestly, they still need the ball going to St. Brown's hand a lot of times, apparently. I mean, why, why would you not? I mean, to me, like, I mean, how, how can you cover him at this point? The second half of that, that game really felt like it was just Amon Ross St. Brown going up against Keenan Allen. And, and if I could remove the nerves from myself in that moment, I would have just sat back and enjoyed what was two really extremely talented players at very different stages of their career balling out. That's why it's the game of the year so far. Like, I, I think I, Totally to that point, Jeremy, like if I wasn't, you know, biting my fingernails and pacing, (laughs) I probably would have been able to enjoy it a little bit more. And it'll be I think it'll be really fun on a second watch, obviously, um, just because, you know, the outcome. But (laughs) the what about the catch by Amon Ra? Like just picking it right off Off the the turf. Yeah. Yeah. And then not not just getting yards, but making a house call. You know what I mean? Like that. ah, Come on, man. Like the guy's on pace for over fifteen hundred yards receiving. Um, I mean, you're looking at a guy who might catch 120 plus passes like but where would you put him in the rankings of like the most important players to this offense? Right. Because it's almost like, yeah, Amon Ra is really important. And I don't know how they could maybe do without him. But like this, I feel like this offense still goes as 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 Demo and, and Jameer go. Well, I mean, if if we're talking skill position players, yes. But to to jump into car talk and quote Dan Campbell from today, 
the offensive line is the engine under the hood, man. Oh man, hell yeah, brother. I mean, hell yeah. It, it's it was phenomenal yesterday and and it was interesting because someone had put a list of all of the combinations of every team and how often they've been on the field in terms of offensive line and the Lions didn't have a single five players who had who had played often enough to rank in the top 40 in terms of just amount of snaps that they've played together. But the one that was that had the most was this one that they have now. And this one right now also had the highest EPA in terms of their performance on the field. When they're on the field, the Lions was the were the most productive. And I have to imagine that EPA is is a lot higher today um, as well. And so I think the Lions found the combination that worked. You kind of almost wish they had had this combination from, from the get-go, but everyone's healthy now. You got a healthy backfield now, and I just... I don't know how you stop this offense as Chris went through it. Like they have just an embarrassment of riches. And when you have an offensive line that will give your quarterback time to go through his entire progression on a fourth and two to win the ball game, that's, that's really hard to stop. And, and, and again, like we have to underline, this was a good, at least on the edges, defensive line that the, I mean, I don't, I don't ever hearing Joey, Bosa's name getting called once. I don't remember. I don't know what Khalil Mack's number is because I never saw him make a play. That's well, how good their offensive line was, man. And it, it's who who's going to challenge them? Who is a defensive line that can challenge them right now? The the only Khalil Mack player I remember from yesterday was the one where Taylor Decker got a penalty. <laughs> right. But Chris, I, I yeah. guess my question is earlier when I said like the Lions have a lot without having a lot, I think I meant the Lions. Do we need to start talking about these guys being elite players rather than just like, oh, yeah, they're really good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. When are we going to have the discussion about I'm on Ross St. Brown potentially being a top five wide receiver? No, I just top five. Ooh. I know I'm with him there. Just the, the work is there. The stats is there. It's just once again, just because he's not a take the top off guy like a Tyreek Hill because he's playing out of the slot. I just I think ultimately that bias will continue to be against him. Most people say, yeah, he's like really good. But until he's having the insane Odell Beckham Jr. plays or the oh, look, Tyreek, take the top off. Just he made one. He yeah, made I, one on Sunday where he picked the ball off the turf. <laughs> And then and he almost had that deep shot too. Yes. Like I know, but like, it it, it just feels like something eludes him there. I agree with you. And I think he's elite. Let me just put it that way. I think he's elite, but I'm just trying to think why hasn't he got that recognition? And maybe it's just because like he's elite among a extremely good unit and everyone else in that unit is also really good. I think part of it is just, there's not a lot of sexy plays. It's just like he's, he gets open for 10 yard curls. And, like, and then and then makes a guy miss and then scores a touchdown. You know what <laughs> so, I mean? Like, like right. he had plays where he looked. There's not, not enough fast plays like that. Though. He looked almost as fast as Jameer Gibbs in some plays too, though. Like he's yeah. got everything there for it. I, I think he also kind of has that dumb stink on him when it comes to people's perception of oh he's a slot receiver. It, yeah, he lined yeah, up in the said, slot. Yeah. He lined up in the slot fifty-seven percent of the time, but like. I mean, that that's not as decided as people assume. Like, I feel like people talk about Amon Ra like, oh, yeah, like he, like nine times out of 10 kind of guy. That's not who he is. Right. He had 19 uh, snaps in the slot yesterday and, and he had 14 out wide. Like, but like, would, would you put Keenan Allen below Amon Ra? Yeah. 
I would. I'm not quite, I'm not quite there. But I, I do think he's he's a top 10 receiver, to be clear. Keenan Allen I don't, is I don't having... Think you know, I, I, think, I think the thing is that Keenan Allen, like, this is probably his best career he's had in a while. And, like, he, he's doing it at, like, what is he now, Ryan, 31? Like, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's up there. Yeah. yeah. Like, he had a, a monster game. Monster. But, like, it's... He he's been a very Allen's Allen's one of those guys who's like, how does he keep doing it? Right. But where else were the Chargers going yesterday? And why wouldn't they go to him? Right. That's yeah. that's no, not yeah. a, that's not an Amon Ra problem. Right. Amon Ra's problem is that there's so many other mouths that can be fed and right. the Lions can be so unpredictable with their usage. You know what I mean? Like you're telling me that Amon Ra couldn't have had, you know, 175 yards receiving yesterday if he was I mean, playing he for close. the Chargers. But but isn't it even close. more remarkable that that Keenan Allen is dominating when everyone knows that's their target? That's the guy you have to stop. No, yeah, but when you're putting Jerry Jacobs on him to do it, okay, oh, okay, wow, someone is going to get the Jerry Jacobs fan club adding okay. him all week now. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, <laughs> I think we put this game into perspective and talk about this picture that's unfurling in the NFC North and. Really, I'm just going to say it like the Lions. This this wasn't, I think, going into the day, a must win for the Lions. But I think with the context of everything, it does feel like the Lions won a must win game, both for respect and for keeping pace in a in a uh, divisional battle here that will start to unfold as we get into December. And really, we'll get back into defense a little bit and just talk about the schedule going forward. We'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit EOD cast. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Right to Detroit POD cast. One of the things that became evident and what made this game so important between the Chargers and the Lions was what happened. I actually just finished right before, and I actually think it might have kept going uh, a little bit after Chargers Lions started. So obviously, Lions know nothing about this. I don't think they'd care either way. They just have to take care of their business, but. The Vikings did stack another win this week. 
over the New Orleans Saints. Now, the New Orleans Saints lost their quarterback, Derek Carr, in the midst of this game, and that gave them Jameis Winston, who Jameis Winston defenders will tell you, yeah, it was 21-7 when Jameis Winston came in, and he almost got them back in the game. I would say Jameis Winston also threw two picks that basically cost them a victory there as well. The point being, though, is that the Minnesota Vikings are not going to stop their role anytime soon just because of no Kirk Cousins. They have now won five straight games. They're staring down next week a Broncos team. And then after that, the Bears, the Raiders, the Bengals. A lot of those are road games, but that is their schedule up until they get into the Lions. And of those, there's not a lot of games where I can really count out the Vikings, except for maybe the Bengals, but also the Bengals just lost a game in a really backbreaking fashion this week as well. So much like as the Lions are entering an easier part of their schedule, so too are the Vikings. And it's going to be a matter of who holds ser- if the Lions can hold serve in the NFC North, if they can continue to control their destiny, control their fate and beat teams in front of them. It, that's not to say the Vikings are going to catch up to them or anything of the sort, but it does mean that there is a little bit of a race and that those Last three weeks where the Lions and Vikings play each other two times does take on a little con- bit more importance, depending on what happens between now and about a month later, Jeremy, in that this game didn't you didn't go into today thinking this was generally a must win. But I, I would say I am very glad they did win this game to take some of that pressure off their back. Yeah, people are starting the- to, people are starting to talk about the Vikings. Right. I mean, I think a lot of us looked at the Chargers as the Lions' biggest tough, biggest test remaining on their schedule, and you, you clear that, and so now, yeah, the Vikings yeah, have Cowboys. Released. I think I think the Chargers are a better overall team, I do. I um, agree with them on that. Um, but, I mean, the, the, the Cowboys are certainly the the biggest now, right? They're, they're the next guy that stands up. Mm-hmm. We, can, we can all agree on that, but Vikings have a very favorable schedule. Lions have a very favorable schedule. I think I think at the very least, we're almost guaranteed that that first Vikings game is going to mean something because I mean, I, I said it last week. I've been saying it for a couple weeks now. I was completely wrong in the off season. This Vikings team is legit. And by legit, I mean a legit contender for a playoff spot. I don't think they're a legit Super Bowl contender, certainly not with a, a backup quarterback that is just now learning the the, the, the offense and, and all that sort of stuff. And again, I'm not, I'm going to not going to sit here and proclaim that Josh Dobbs is is going to be their next franchise quarterback. I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to win comeback player of the year, although maybe he might. Um, but he had some bad games with with the Cardinals, though, like and he, right. they're, more they're than likely are, you can have a bad game coming up here with with the Vikings. But I, I think it goes to the point I was saying earlier, and I don't remember if this is on the podcast or in the off in, in our off air segment. But if you surround someone with enough workable parts, you can produce an an efficient offense and the Vikings have a really good tight end who's I mean TJ Hawkinson's playing his best football right now they have an offensive line that is a top 10 unit they're going to get Justin Jefferson back they have a Jordan Addison who's a productive young receiver there's enough pieces to that puzzle I, I said it last week that if you put in an average or even a little bit of a below average quarterback you can still be productive and I think the scary part for me is the defense this has become a well-rounded team. Their defense is playing out of their mind right now. And I think I think they're probably in for some regression right now, but I think this is just a very well-coached team. I think Kevin O'Connell is a smart offensive mind. We all know Brian Flores is a good defensive coach. They are eighth in defensive DVOA right now. 
after being one of the worst defenses in the league. So again, I think I think they're probably not that good. I think they're they're going to regress at some point. Not not anytime soon though, because they're playing a lot of crappy football teams. So that I mean, they're they're a I would say they're an above average team. And the Lions don't have a lot of above average teams on their schedule. So those those are going to be battles. Those are going to be close games. Those are going to be games that the Lions have to win. And they have to prove that they're capable of beating those types of team anyways to prove that they're more than just a, a one-and-done team in the playoffs. So, giddy up. Oh, it's a race now, huh? Okay. Well, so here's what's also interesting, too, I think, about the Vikings, because they're, they're definitely better than, like, not just we thought, right? Like, they're expected win-loss um, based on the Pythagorean uh, formula on, on PFR. 5.6 to 4.4 wins. Hmm. That was that was the expected win yeah. loss for this team. Like, I mean, they're they're really punching above their weight. And like Jeremy said, like I also they've won. What is that five in a row now? Five in a row. Yeah, after starting after starting four and one. Yeah, one and four. Um, yeah. So yeah, with I don't know. Like, still, I I don't like the Saints again. Like, it's not a good football team. I need to see them play a good football team. And that's Jeremy to your point, right? Like they probably don't play one until middle of December when they play the Bengals on the road. All right. But they beat the 49ers. Like their resume is almost kind of like the lions, right? They have one really, really good win on the resume. It's a bunch of then mediocre to bad teams that they've beat up on. And they've lost to some really good teams. And yeah. maybe one bad team. They, I think they have one bad loss on their on their schedule. I don't remember who it was, but I'm no, just... they've they've lost all four games by about one score. I think their largest margin of of loss. No, I was mean, about... but they've lost to a bad opponent. I was saying so, like oh. they, they lost to the they, they lost to the Buccaneers. They lost to the Buccaneers, I guess. Yeah, also lost to Chargers. If you want to do transitive, but you know, yeah, I just. Like it's, I think it's going to catch up to them because like, check this out. So like they, they came out blazing hot, like the first half of that football game. Yep. Like that's, that's where Josh Jobs captured the heart of every American. Mm. The here, here are their uh, second half drives. Uh, they scored on the opening one. They had a field goal and then it was nine net yards and a punt, uh, 17 net yards and a missed field goal. Uh, and then punt, 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 punt. A couple of drives in there where they had negative two yards. Um, I I don't know. Like, I, I feel like it's going to balance itself out at some point. I do think, though, are you guys ready to play the Vikings uh, three times in the matter of a month? Maybe. I think I think you're right. I think that's what we're barreling towards. And and. There, there, there just there isn't another NFC wild card contender. There just isn't the Saints. We, we're, we all agree are bad. The Falcons that we all agree are bad. The Rams could, I guess, potentially turn things around once Matthew Stafford is in the lineup. But I'm not banking on it, especially since they have to play the NFC West, which means they're going to tally some more losses. To it would have to take a collapse from the Cowboys or the Seahawks to give up another wild card. It does feel like right. we've got locked in Cowboys, Seahawks, Vikings. Yeah. And so unless unless the Vikings somehow steal a higher seed than seven or the Lions aren't the two seed, maybe they're the three seed, maybe they're the one seed. 
right now there's only one team that's not in the playoffs that with uh, in the NFC, there's only one team in our playoff current playoff picture that is not in the playoffs, but still has a, a, a positive point differential. And that's the Buccaneers at plus five. Yeah. At just plus five. Meanwhile, Seahawks are in the playoffs with a minus one. But that's everyone else. My, my larger point is that everyone else, their point differentials, Ryan, look really bad. They've been getting there. There is a massive class divide between the upper, the uppers, the haves and have nots of the NFC right now. And the Vikings are in the former. Yeah, it, I, it, I guess it just speaks to the um, I don't want to say weakness of the conference, but um, top heavy, I, top heavy. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think it is a really top heavy conference. And but I think it's nice to say, though, that like come Thanksgiving time, I think maybe you might be making a case that the Lions deserve a, a seat at the table with the Eagles and the 49ers. Well, let's look at the schedules as we're going forward, because one thing for the one for the thing for, I, I should note for the Vikings is they might start to play some teams that might have a few more stakes involved, especially where they have to play the Broncos and the Raiders. And I'm not sure Well, we'll see, I guess, here. The, the, the Broncos are about to take the field for Sunday night football. I'm curious how much that AFC West picture shakes itself out. I know Raiders fans are still riding high after beating two New York teams, which seems ill-advised when they have the Dolphins coming up next. But, you know, Raiders could still be playing with passion against the Vikings later this year for the bear uh, for the Lions. Next up is the Bears and then Thanksgiving for the Packers. And it'll take on that self-same Saints team that the Vikings beat up that the Vikings beat up on. So as we look towards the Bears. I'm trying to think of something to say that won't sound disrespectful to the Bears, (laughs) which I would never want to be disrespectful to the Bears at all. I would never want to put on a luchador mask and just start ranting and raving about how Chicago can fall into Lake Michigan. And as far as I care and. And uh, that god awful team just finds itself out in like, I don't know, Iron Hills or wherever they want to relocate to. But uh, by all means, Jeremy, going from the Chargers to the Bears does feel like. The Lions, Lions can't let up any kind of mistakes, but at the same time, it's hard for me to get my heart, my heartbeat going above uh, country trail for Ty- for Tyson Bajan and the Chicago Bears. Well, they might have Justin Fields back. I think that's if there's one thing to get the heart rate going a little bit, it's that the Lions haven't defended Justin Fields very well. Um, and and what what has given you else? confidence that they can handle a, a mobile quarterback so far this year? Not a but lot. I also don't think this is the Justin Fields that was running over people where versus last year either. I mean, we'll see. Right. He's coming back from injury The they're they might be getting a couple other players back. They've, they've had a long week having played on Thursday to develop some sort of game plan for him if, if he does indeed play this week. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I never take division games lately. I never take a division games with a, a dangerous on the ground quarterback lately, given the history of this football team. And so, you know, I'm not going to not going to sit here and say my knees are shaken for the Chicago Bears team. I think the Lions. Offense matches up pretty darn well against them. I think they're like 29th in DVOA in terms of defense. So I don't know. I mean, the Lions, this is just the beginning of the Lions needing to take care of their own business and not overlooking their opponent, not over underestimating their opponent. And under Dan Campbell, that hasn't happened. I mean, they the really only bad loss they've had since this year turnaround 
dating back to literally a calendar year, is that first Carolina game. Everything else has been dominant, especially this year. Like I, I think it's important to underscore how much they've dominated bad teams this year and, and not even made it close. I mean, the closest game was probably the Raiders game, and they dominated that game. They just had some dumb mental mistakes. And so as long as, as Dan Campbell can keep this team on the right path mentally in terms of not overlooking their opponent, I'm not going to be scared of the Bears this week. I don't think I'm scared of the Bears either, Ryan. Uh, yeah, no, not scared of the Bears because I the offense just can't keep up with Detroit's, right. and and I think that I think maybe even last year, right? Like there was still like some there was still a maturation process, but like I think that the two backs just make such a big difference in terms of just taking the offense to the to the level that it, it wasn't quite at a year ago. Um this, this I think it's gonna mean that, a lot to Demo too, right? Oh man. Yeah. Like well, I think I think that's a really good point in that having both running backs mature, not for this game against the Bears, but against the Bears on the 10th, where you have to play in Soldier Field, which yeah. is the only cold weather outdoor game the Lions have on their schedule to play. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, as far as the Bears go, though, like if we're going to talk like tinfoil hat kind of stuff, like do you think that they're, they're just going to be as careful as they can with Justin Fields? Well, I don't know, because I feel like what? they have to they have to figure out what they want to do with Justin Fields. They, are they, aren't they trying to tank? Too? I think they figured it out. You think you th- they're done? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I don't think that decision has been made. I, I think that if you have a, a pick that they're going to have. Right. Like they're they're going to have a they're going to have a shot at a quarterback. Maybe it might not be their guy. Right. Right. Like maybe they might not get the first pick. But like statistically speaking, they're probably going to have the second pick somehow, some way. And like. You're you're going to have a choice at one of the top quarterbacks and and probably at a top weapon to go with it. it, But I I think it might be like a clean house situation. Like I'm kind I would I would be shocked if Eberflus is the head coach of the Chicago Bears next year. I, I would not just because given their ownership and their habits and the fact that they still don't have the money for owning their own stadium. But that's 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 the only way I can say see Eberflus keeping his job like every other rational owner should be like, yeah, we need to clean house. This is not working with polls and Eberflus. Uh, I, and but I maybe even polls might get a little bit longer of a leash, but like this might be like this might be the, you know, think about it in, in Lions terms, right? When when Bob Quinn was still holding on to Jim Caldwell, it felt like that was biding time for him, right? Mm. As soon as he made that decision, then all of a sudden the clock was ticking on Bob Quinn's time. I feel like for for polls, like it has to be calculated, right? But like if you move on from Eberflus, you're probably taking a quarterback and like that's going to be the new delineation of, yeah. hey, OK, now the clock is starting on you. Right. And it's I, like, I feel like it, nobody's I don't I don't know if any clocks start until they get Arlington Heights figured out. But yeah, but but I think that I, I feel like if you're polls, right, it's like now's the best time for me to pick my guy. I'm going to pick my quarterback and I'm going to hit reset on the thing because there might be there might be pressure. But I think all that is beside the point, like. Whether Fields is on uh, the field or it's Bajan, yeah. I, I I don't think it. I don't know if it moves the needle that much for me. Because they they also can't. Well, they they actually can run the football a little bit, but 
that that only plays into the lion's strength anyways so i yeah i'm not scared of that before before we get out of here can i i i don't know if this has to be a weekly segment or anything and i guess a lot depends on on how the rest of the the weeks play out but can we talk about like our the realistic level of being the one seed because the lions just got over a major hump their offense to me looks capable of being the best offense in the league. Like that's how well they they played on Sunday and and they're healthy still. And and that Eagles they're, they're still they still got a gauntlet to go through. Well, I know they just yeah. they they took it to the Cowboys last week. At Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, at Cowboys, at Seahawks. I don't think the I think the Eagles are that good that I don't think the I do you want a percentage chance they want it? They take the one seed. It, whatever you want to give it in. I don't care. I, I just, I I'll think give, we should I'll have give the lions 30% chance. Okay. Mm. I, I think I kind of want to make a bold proclamation. Let me hear it. I think that the 49ers have a real shot of getting the number one seed. Ooh, 49ers. The pendulum on that tweet, that team is swinging the other way now, huh? Yeah. I, I mean, they play the Bucks next week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, uh, they play in Seattle. Seattle. Yeah. On a, on a short week, they play on Thursday on Thanksgiving. Um, and then they, they get a little bit of rest before they play Philadelphia. And I think that that matters. Yeah. Um, and then they play Seattle but- again. They do. Um, they still have a game against the Cardinals, though, and they still have a game against the Commanders and the Ravens. They have the Ravens in between those two, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but here, here's 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 the thing, though. That game yesterday against the Jaguars was, oh, yeah, the 49ers are like they're like they still belong in yes. that in that pantheon. Hundred percent. Like, 34 to I, three on the road against I just the wonder if they've, team. They've dug themselves into too big of a hole with too tough of a schedule ahead. That I mean, those those are not easy light games to, to be had. Ravens and, and Seahawks twice. And and you For said sure. the Eagles as well. They play each other. Is that what you said? Or yeah, no? Yeah, yep, they play the Eagles. So that I mean 49ers also has to play the Ravens, too, which I mean like, I, I know the Ravens just took it on the chin this weekend, but I mean I'm not downgrading the Ravens at all. No. To me, the fact that the 49ers and Eagles play each other is, is hugely in the Lions' favor. And oh, yeah. I, yeah. Just, I just wonder if the 49ers have already dug themselves too big of a hole because I, I think I think 14 and 3 might have to be the record that you're going to have to have at least a 14 and 3 record to win the division, which means the 49ers have no margin for error. None. Yeah. They would yeah. have to win out, I think, to, to get the one seed. I think the Eagles' tight ends, uh, or sorry, their senior defensive assistant Matt Patricia just might oh my cause the oh, bottom to fall on. out. <laughs> With that, we're gonna get out of here. Unless is that no. is that all? We're I don't want, I don't want to say talk about football anymore. Okay, well, great. Ryan Ryan killed the podcast, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Thank you to everyone who's been donating to our charity drive for Movember for the Alzheimer's Association of Michigan and everyone who is preparing to bid on our auctions that will benefit the the uh, Humane Society of Western Michigan. Thanks to everyone who's supporting us through, be it through POD Direct, through subscriptions on Twitch, through donations on and and uh, and uh, tips on YouTube. 
Uh, guys, this has been, I say, I don't say it enough, but this is a wild ride and it's so fun doing this. And uh, as Jeremy put it the other night, like, can't believe we get to do this for a living and get to run these kind of this, these entertainment pieces and education pieces for you, the Lions, the Lions fans out there. So for myself, for Ryan Matthews, for Jeremy Reisman, it's time we get out of here. We'll see you star side. to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.